What's going on, questioning marks out there? What's up? What's up? What's up, Jared and Adam? What's up? What's up? How's everybody doing on the Super Bowl Sunday? What's up, questioning marks? Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Adam, welcome back. Matt, thanks again for uh, opening up. Yes, of course. Of course. My my fellow co-host and I are definitely pumped up. Adam's back. And uh, we have a jam-packed show. You know, we have Super Bowl Sunday, so I'm so sure we all have our little events to get to in regards to cooking up some food. I don't know if, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a different Super Bowl situation this year because of the stupid fucking pandemic. But, you know, we'll uh, we'll all manage, right? We'll so, make the best of it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So we have a big show. Uh, I want to get straight to AEW stuff bad because you guys know out there I'm marking out for fucking New Japan right now. But we have a lot of awesome stuff going on in the WWE world. And our main WWE resident, Jared, over here is going to break some stuff down for us. We have post-Royal Rumble WWE uh, news going on. And as you guys know, uh, you know, the Rumble was a... Pretty, pretty awesome pay-per-view, and we have some a lot of uh, good storylines hopefully developing from that. So, Jared, take us away, my bro. Well, we're officially on the road to WrestleMania now, so uh, we'll start there, and we're going to start with WWE because it is and always will be the greatest promotion there is. Oh, so yeah. we'll just we'll start there. So uh, Raw was, uh, was pretty good, I have to say. Uh, I do want to just say that, you know, I watch week in, week out both shows, and... Raw is happens to be way better. Um, everyone thought that when SmackDown moved to Fox that it was going to be, you know, the better show. But I'll tell you, other than Roman on Friday night, I, it was a it was a fast forward fest for sure. But let's, uh, <laughs> let, let, let's go over Monday. So Raw opens with McIntyre pointing at the WrestleMania sign, which is, you know, they're going to everyone. Every week is going to do this now, point at the WrestleMania sign. You know, <laughs> WWE overdoes that and mentioning of the WWE network, but whatever. It's that time of the year. And this is when, you know, these shows are going to be at their best Raw, SmackDown. And, you know, this is the time where, you know, a lot of the stuff happens leading up to WrestleMania where big changes, title changes, you know, could and should happen. So uh, McIntyre opens up, you know, and obviously uh, Edge won the Rumble. So all three champions, Balor on NXT, McIntyre on Raw, and uh, Roman on SmackDown, all want to know who his uh, tr- you know choice is going to be. So he uh, he starts giving props down the whole card, you know, and you know all the matches, all the competitors uh, gives props to Bel Air, you know, the tag team match, everybody, you know. He said every match was off the hook, and then when he gets specifically to the Rumble. Edge's music hits on this day. And, you know, McIntyre gave Edge tons of compliments, uh, called him a mentor, you know, talked about how psyched up how he was for his return, like all of us marks were last year, you know, when that music hit. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And even me, folks, even me. Yeah, I mean, how can you not? Guys who are in our age group and, you know, grew up with Edge, and it was was a great moment. so, you know, Edge thanked him for all the compliments. He said he likes Drew. And then Edge, then all of a sudden, Edge, like, turned a little bit. And you could see that rated R, you know, superstar, the the, the heel coming out a little bit, which what he would have to in order to face McIntyre, in my opinion, since McIntyre is, you know, a great face. So 
Um, Edge says, what's wrong with you? He says that he's a threat to the title while you're being so nice. There's a big target on your back. And then all of a sudden, Edge is interrupted by Sheamus, you know, McIntyre's best friend for years. Yeah. So, you know, Sheamus questions Edge and says, where have you been over the last, you know, seven months where McIntyre has been carrying the company through a pandemic and you've been sitting home. So a little breaking of a kayfabe there. Pretty cool. yeah, yeah. Listen, it was a very good segment by three guys who are, you know, listen, even Sheamus, he's, you know, he's definitely a Hall of Famer and former world champion. So he uh, he definitely knows how to cut a promo at this point. You know, so Edge then tells McIntyre he's playing a very dangerous game with the way he with, with the way he does business. Um, then he looks at Sheamus and Edge leaves the ring. And as Edge is leaving the ring, McIntyre is looking at Edge and holding the title up. And as soon as McIntyre turns around, Sheamus bro kicks him. So I believe, oh, you know, nice. I, I called this, <laughs> you know, I called this a while back. And, you know, I think a few episodes ago where I said Sheamus is going to turn eventually. Yeah. So, so who knows where Edge is leaning at this point, you know, so because they do have uh, a Sheamus. So, yeah, so he has his pick of the title then, right? Like he has to choose which title he wants to go after. He can go after the Raw title, the SmackDown title, or the NXT title. Or the NXT Can one. we just pause for a minute to talk about the Scottish versus Irish angle going on right there? Yeah, so what <laughs> I, I don't think um, – I don't think that that's going to be a mania matchup. I think that matchup could be like at uh, a pay-per-view in between, but yeah, like a road to WrestleMania kind of keeping the uh, hype up of the, uh, you know, championship and and the storyline going on. And and especially the Scottish versus Irishman angle is hilarious. Right. I personally don't see edge going to NXT to challenge for that title at WrestleMania, but rumor has it that Balor is going to defend the title against someone at mania. Hmm. And, and just, Hopefully it'd be a and su- just remember surprise. his wife, his wife, Beth Phoenix is a commentator on NXT. So you know, who knows? Oh, this could be a good angle. Who, just who knows? Um, but you know, I'll, I'll touch more into what him and him and Roman's little angle, uh, after I get through the raw segment, but Adam, is there anything you wanted to touch on about, uh, Seamus? Well, not, not so much, Seamus. I actually had just two points for you on, on just the opening um, that I think would be good for us to talk about, which is it was reported this week um, in ver- across various rumor mills and a couple of, of uh, wrestling pr- uh, publications that you know Edge is not slated to be a part-timer. He really wants in full-time. And obviously – during this pandemic, you know, you've got a, you're working a different schedule. It's not, you know, it's, it certainly hasn't been the old days of 365 days a year for quite a long time, but it's still not the, you know, working live events like WWE had, you know, had been just pre-COVID. So um, could he work a full-time schedule under this new dynamic right now? I, I think the shape that he's in, he certainly can, and it'll be interesting to see if that would lead to more feuds down the line. What's and a, then, but yeah, Adam, let me let me interrupt you. What's a full time schedule at this point? What, one day a week? Exactly. So it's 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 pretty easy. Um, but I, I just I, I have to say the reason I bring that up is because last year we were all hyped, as you said, to see him at the Rumble, and then to really only see kind of you know one feud or one angle that built up into that uh, you know I quit match against Orton at, at Mania. I felt that with with Edge's credibility and his ability in the ring, 
now he might have, be able to actually work a more interesting actual you know wrestling program with some guys that can, that can really go. Well, that's the thing. That's why it scared me that they could uh, conceivably conceivably make Goldberg the champion because it's one day a week. So are the days of the house shows pretty much gone? You guys think like once this pandemic ends, do you think that like, does WWE still do house shows with all their they, shows? You know, you have a Monday night show, like, you got the Friday night show, like, you got Ad, NXT. Like, like Adam said, they were doing, you know, house shows, WWE live, um, mm-hmm. you know, pre up until pre, you know, COVID like it was as yeah. normal, but who knows if this, if we're ever even going to get back to a point like that. Yeah. I think I think that even if there if there will be, it's going to be done gradually, and we've already seen some variations of that. If you look at the um, NXT shows on Wednesday nights, you know, or, or even Raw when they've had a few fans, you know, kind of bounded by the plexiglass or whatever, you know. So, so they, they've come up with a couple of of, of interesting ways to have some fans I mean, in there. He, he, even in my indie shows uh, that I watch. Uh, they have fans, you know, just separated and, you know, you know, they're, they're mostly hillbillies wearing their uh, chin <laughs> diapers, but uh, it's, it is what it is. You know, the other point I just wanted to make really quickly is a touch on um, something that, uh, you know, with, again, going back to NXT is, and, and we've talked about this uh, this past week offline. I'm really happy that NXT has been elevated in a way to the main show with somebody like Balor being the champion. And also that, there's a potential for that title to be on the line as well. But um, if AEW was never around Adam, it, Balor would never be the champion and he would just be on one of the main shows. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think that was a good move for uh, WWE just to say, you know, just to save face for a Wednesday night. Uh, well, Triple war, H runs know? that sh- Triple H runs that show, so uh, well, hopefully one day Triple H will be running uh WWE's, you know, uh storylines and things like that cuz uh nobody I'd, lives I'd, forever. I, yeah. <laughs> that's for, that's for sure. So uh, that brings us into SmackDown, I guess, right? So no, uh, no, no, oh, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, no, oh, no, no, nice, cool. There's a whole nother edge, there's a whole nother edge angle here. Um, Give it also, to us, baby. So Orton cuts a promo congratulating Edge. He didn't think that he'd come back and that he won from the you know number one spot. You know, Orton was shocked, but Orton's pissed off that Edge made Orton look like a liar, and mm. you know he came back after Orton said he would never come back. And Orton then, you know, guarantees he'll never uh, he'll never main event WrestleMania Edge. So we'll see what happens there. So then Edge comes back with a you know a, another pre recorded promo, ecstatic that he won the Rumble, and you know he outlasted twenty nine of the best superstars in the industry. Mm. Um, <laughs> but there's a black cloud hanging over his head. Randy, that's Randy Orton. And Edge talking about how he went bell to bell. Orton cheated and, you know, he was in there for eight minutes while Edge was in there for an hour. And tonight, you know, their match at the end, he's going to get that black cloud off of him. So just quickly, uh, because this ties actually into the Orton-Edge main event, Mm -hmm. uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. So let me tell you something, guys. I know I talk about this every week, but... um, Bliss is just absolutely incredible. And talk about a storyline that evolves each and every week. Um, yeah, so, let's see what happened this week, man. Yeah, so Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, um, she starts playing, you know, mind games with uh, Nikki Cross right away. You know, and, you know, Nikki just wants to, she, Nikki keeps screaming out during the match, you know, what do you want with me? They used to be best friends and tag partners and, and tag the women's tag team champions. Um, 
And Nikki keeps trying to, you know, attack her, and she keeps ducking, you know, like like the fiend does all the time. And Bliss is playing with her hair during the match, playing hopscotch, and she's laughing while just dismantling um, Nikki Cross throughout the match. Um, so all the, you know, the crazy shit starts happening. The clown music starts, and the lights go out, and mm. there's an alpha change. She goes back to the old normal Alexa Bliss in, you know, the old, you know, ring attire. Yeah. Then, you know, she is crying in the corner again. Cross doesn't fall for it. And <laughs> she tries to get a hug from Nikki and Nikki tries to kick her ass again. Then the lights go out and um, the Funhouse Alexa Bliss is back and she hits a <laughs> God. Right. She's like a uh, fucking it, uh, it's psychopath. Nuts. It's nuts. She hits a variation of Sister Abigail and it was it was a little different where the head was twisted in a different way and she wins. So as she's walking up the ramp, Orton's music hits, you know, because it's main event time. And I don't know if you guys have noticed (laughs) or have watched enough to see where WWE and AEW, all of a sudden they've started where like, as the previous match, uh, winners and losers are walking up the ramp, like the next match of people start coming out. And then they start beefing like on the way up and down. So obviously we know Orton, Bliss and The Fiend. um, Yeah. That's going to be a WrestleMania match somehow, some way. And so he's walking down and she's walking up and she stops and he stops and she stares at him and he just looks straight ahead. Doesn't even look at her. And they just, they both continued on. So that's pretty cool. I like that. How, uh, they didn't, you know, the foreseeable thing would have been, you know, they had some beef, they hit each other whatever, something along those lines. But, uh, I think that adds that, that adds a lot to the storyline. It's, it's, you know, like to when it does eventually culminate, uh, these types of things make us want to stick around to, uh, hopefully see that, you know? Right. So, uh, you know, the match goes back and forth and, um, Orton Orton goes for the RKO after, you know, several back and forth for, you know, I'd say about five, six minutes. And as he's going for the RKO, that creepy clown music that, you know, uh, plays when she does her alpha changes bliss that, Mm -hmm. you know, all of a sudden he turns around and she's on the turnbuckle and there's like dark black, like dark blackish reddish blood coming out of her mouth. And obviously he's just (laughs) staring at it. Edge (laughs) Edge hits the spear, edge wins, bliss is gone. And that's how raw ends. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, that storyline just uh So it's almost like, you know, uh this this Edge and Orton thing is, is going to come to a head sooner than the Orton Fiend stuff, and then it's and then it's gonna continue on to something else, you know? Because Edge Edge eventually has to challenge for a, right. you know a title. So oh, that's awesome, man. It seems yeah, it seems like the writers at Raw are definitely keeping that attitude ish era thing going with all this cool uh, you know, fun house stuff that's going on with Alexa and the fiend. Um, you know, eventually he is going to come back and it's going to be awesome. And I hope they, and I hope they give him a title run in the future too, as well. Yeah, they definitely, uh, they're probably after WrestleMania going to give him one of some sort. Yeah, I hope. Well, that was a great, great rundown of raw, man. So raw, uh, like I said, to open the show, raw is much better and SmackDown is in need of a big Strowman and Rollins return because it's, uh, you know, after Roman it's bleak and they need, they need a serious challenger for Roman, which 
maybe is why I'm leaning toward um, Edge challenging him. But I'll talk about that real quick now, and then we'll get yeah. to the then we'll get to you know Matt getting a little uh, crazy here today. <laughs> so, <laughs> we have a lot uh, of cool stuff to go on, but I, but, I, but but this WWE stuff is awesome, and I and I do think uh, that if Edge does go against Roman, I think that gives a great great WrestleMania uh, headliner. Right. So. Um, uh, Roman opens SmackDown with Heyman and Uso, and Uso has been absent the past, you know, couple weeks. So basically, Roman says, you know, KO's in the past, Edge is in the future. He calls himself the main event. Says Edge wasted his time showing up on Raw and NXT, and that Roman is being disrespected by being out there first. You know, just you know, another right. you know, an- another one of his you know disrespect things. You know. As yeah, mafia, as mafia boss. Right. So he calls out Edge, and uh, he wants to know what Edge's decision is. Um, so Heyman's like screaming, "All right, Edge, you know, cue Edge's entrance music," and blah blah blah. Uh, r- then all of a sudden, uh, he gets word from the guys who wear that, you know, the headsets, you know, the by the ring, and he says Edge isn't here yet. And Roman's fuming that Edge is playing mind games, and um. Last man who played mind games with him was KO, and KO is history because Roman kicked his ass. Um, <laughs> Roman ends ends this promo by saying he wants Edge's decision by the end of the night and sa- and repeats that twice. So, obviously, at the end of the night, Edge comes out first. He talks about how seven months he dreamed of winning the Rumble, coming back home, and uh, main eventing WrestleMania and becoming a champion again. Um Talks about is he going to choose Roman, Finn, or McIntyre? And as soon as he mentions Roman's name, uh, Roman's music hits, and they walk him, Uso, and Heyman walk down to the ring. And first thing Edge says, "You had to bring backup." He goes, "You're sweating me already." And Roman, <laughs> Roman makes Roman actually first time I've laughed at during wrestling in a long time. He said, "He goes, Paul won't hit you without my blessing." Oh. <laughs> That's hilarious. Which was awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, cool. he he winds up uh so Edge tells him he, he that he's renting uh he, that he's renting space in his head rent free and Roman sent uh Uso to the back and Heyman to the outside of the ring and they're face to face and then to end the show KO comes in and stuns Roman. Um as much as I love KO, it's not believable. Yeah, it's not yeah, believable. Get him out already, dude. Get him yeah, out. It's not believable that he could beat Roman. Yeah. I mean, at this point already, like we said, like, I feel like the feud already culminated. I mean, it definitely culminated at the, uh, you know, the no DQ match or the false kind of anywhere, whatever situation that was going on there. But to have him come back out again, like, come on already. I agree. Let me ask you a quick question, Jared. Do you feel like, uh, especially with SmackDown, maybe less so with Raw, but, but with the angle that you just, just, just touched on, do you think that because there's so much focus on that as the opening of every episode i mean pretty often we see you know Heyman and roman reigns come out and there's you know there's always that confrontation going, some confrontation going on does that take away some of the shine from the rest of the guys and, and the girls in the locker room and um maybe that like that's why smackdown is dipping a little bit just because they don't have more of a complete show that raw does well i mean i think i think mcintyre is elevated more than other superstars and certain other guys it's just i feel that Roman is on a pedestal right now in, in in not even just WWE in all of wrestling. I I think him and the Fiend and Orton and Bliss. Uh, I think these guys are on the top of the mountain where no other company has any guys like this right now. They're just so over and so hot that uh, how could a guy like 
I don't know the even the Miz like match up to these guys. It's it's hard, man. I I just think these guys are so over that it's going to be hard to find guys who could be on their level, which is why I mentioned they need Rollins and Braun back on on uh, SmackDown badly because those are guys who who can be you know up there with Roman. Yep. You know, it's interesting. Heyman always, especially back in the day when he used to run, uh, he was the lead writer for SmackDown back in, uh, you know, the Ruthless Aggression era, like, or, you know, 04, 03 into 04. And he would talk about SmackDown as being Raw's bitch show. And he was adamant about changing the culture and, and changing people's perspectives on that. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm optimistic with him there, even though he's, you know, in this role as, you know, as Reigns's, you know, advocate. I still think that, that, uh, his influence is going to go a long way so long as he stays on that program. I, uh, I think Heyman is like the best, I guess you want to still call it a manager sidekick, whatever you want to call it in wrestling. And I think whoever he's with is turns to gold. I mean, look at Lesnar. He, you know, I mean, Lesnar was good without him, but he just elevated Lesnar. He, I mean, he finally Roman is like we've how many times have I said Roman is finally right now. He elevated Roman and you know, he elevated CM Punk also. He these guys were great without him, but he brings these guys to a new level of greatness. Sort of like uh I don't know, like Bill Parcells in football. He he gets the and Belichick, they get the best out of everybody. Some of these guys might be great when they get to these teams, but you know, he gets the best out of everybody. He got the best out of Brady, you know, just so, something like that. And and one more question for you as a WWE, you know, Mark. Like from your perspective, do you feel that the average uh, your 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 average diehard WWE viewer, they're tuning in at the beginning of the week Monday, especially after a big show, you know, like the Rumble. Um, and so, as you get to the end of the week with SmackDown, do you feel like there's less of an audience just because everybody's focused on Raw as the main show, and it's always been marketed as the main show? Does some of that pers- more perspective impact? Um, what's been going on with SmackDown and how do you get some of those fans back? Um, I'm sure it does just because you have to wait till, you know, by the time I watched two days ago, SmackDown on Friday, um, you know, the Royal Rumble sort of feels old, you know, by that point where, like you said, Raw's still, you know, Raw's fresh right off a big show. Um, I don't know. Cause it'll always be on Friday now, as long as Fox has the rights and, I don't know. I, I assume that you're only getting, you know, the, I assume you're getting more uh, moderate viewers on Monday than you are Friday also. So I, I, I don't know how to answer that question, Adam. I, I really don't know how you would get, you know, guys to watch on Friday. I'll be honest with you. Just like AEW this week, it was a fast forward fest. Uh, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get through some of the matches fast enough. I just think, and it's not even that I don't like certain wrestlers and certain guys. And that pertains to both SmackDown and AEW. It's just that sometimes I find it so boring, and just the the storylines are bad. They're they're dead end storylines. I don't know. It's, it's just about to get fucking wild, though, baby. Yeah, we'll we'll see about that. But uh, as far as WWE goes, I thought Raw was great, and I thought SmackDown was other than Roman was uh, horrible and. Listen, I'm a fair guy. I love WWE. There's not a lot that can make me stop watching. Um, maybe other than you know something crazy happening, but I, I'm fair. So that's really uh, what I have to say on WWE this week, guys. And I cannot wait to hear what uh, my two buddies over here have to say about AEW and New Japan because 
I'm not as marked out as they are, guys. But, you know, <laughs> listen, guys, uh, the floor is yours. All right. Well, thank you, Jared, man. That was a, definitely a great rundown of WWE. It seems like uh, the road to WrestleMania is setting up to be something entertaining. It's setting up to be something uh, that I think I'm going to be tuning in to check out on the WWE Network in terms of Raw, Raw rewinds and uh, things like that. So- I will say this, Matt, one thing before we end off, to, and just to answer Adam's previous question, mm-hmm. I do think that the two nights of WrestleMania, so even though like it won't be strictly one night SmackDown, one night uh, Raw, I do think the two nights... Um, makes you want to view into both shows and or you know all three shows more than one night would yeah because it could jam pack more storylines into one it, evening instead of instead of one seven hour event then right turn, and you then, as you know you're a teacher matt in this day and age you know with you know people who have you know add and you can't just sit still it, it's hard to sit there you know yeah. you know we're not even in that in that group you know who yeah. you know when we went to WrestleMania, I mean, I couldn't sit still. I couldn't sit. Yeah, it was still. horrible. Yeah, it was. It was. It was just. Uh, you're sitting there way too long. You're. You're. You're on top of people. You can barely get out right. to go to the bathroom. You're even, fucking. Even you know, listen. Even G One Supercard. Even Jet Games. Even Yankee Games. It's just yeah. I can't. I have to get up. It's just. It's hard. And yeah, fun. yeah. I mean, that's why. It, like, even in MetLife Stadium, like my my seats are like the last row in the bottom section, but I have all the standing room in back of me and everything because right. I don't even I mean, sit down in my seat. Right. It- that's why I think the two nights are a good idea to break it up for people. And you know something? At least you know that now during a pandemic, not even a pandemic, but while the lockdowns are still somewhat locked down and, you know, you can't really go many places. At least, you know, for that weekend, you got two nights of, of viewing, you know, something to watch, something to hang out, something to, you know, whatever to do. And yeah, I, I kind of like the two nights rather than seven hours of just, I don't know. It's just a too much. And yeah, so new, I mean, uh, New Japan does it. You know, New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom was it was uh, been a two nighter, I think, for right. the past couple of years as well. And it, and you know, it keeps us coming back to uh, you know want to see what's going on. So I think it's definitely a good move as well. And guys, keep in mind uh, my, my last point on this: due to the pandemic, they've adjusted some of the dates, and we'll talk. We'll get into a little bit of that too with AEW in their next pay per view. But I'm seeing WrestleMania as uh, April 10th and April 11th off of the original March 28th date. So with a, about an extra week's time for a, a normal build up that you would have for that big show, I think there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff. And March March 20 March 28th a little early for WrestleMania, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, just yeah, off yeah. the top of my head. Some of the original, I, I, some of the original yeah. ones, like the, the early days of WrestleMania, used to be in late March, um, and then it became that first Sunday in April. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, get into some AEW action before we get into uh, what I'm going to be marking out hard for towards the end of the segment. But uh, you know, let's get into it. You know, there was a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, in terms of the end of the show, but let's get into what was going on more towards like the beginning. And uh, Adam, why don't you take us away a little bit and give us some AW perspective? Welcome back, Adam. Thank you. Yep, happy to, ha- happy to be here and with you guys. And um, you know, for the oh, AW yeah. Dynamite shows, they always begin with something action packed, and you're right in the middle of the action as a fan. Whether or not that's a good thing, you know, that's up for our debate here. But um, the uh, the opening match was the tag team battle royal to determine who would be the number one contender mm-hmm. for the Young Bucks uh, belts. And of course, the Young Bucks are in the match, and they have the stipulation that should they win, they get to decide who the number one contender is that's going to face them. 
Um, surprise, surprise, they actually didn't win, but they did <laughs> open the match. I was shocked. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that did catch me a little by surprise. But they, what they did do, which wasn't a surprise for me, is they opened the show, as they always do, with some crazy dive or crazy move. And in this case, both Nat, Matt and Nick Jackson went to opposite corners of the ring and, and dove on top of everybody. So, of course, we've got to do that because that's an every Dynamite show, right? <laughs> um, I'll tell you, Adam, I don't, I don't want to you know, uh, stop your train of thought, but just real quickly, go ahead, go ahead. they don't really do it for me. And I, I thought they'd have a bigger uh, – I thought they'd be bigger coming over to the States full time and being in AEW. And they just don't do it for me. I, I don't know. Well, you, you touched on exactly, I think, the reason why, or, or, or me bringing up, you know, your reaction to what I just brought up, I think, is the reason why is that they go, they go right in, you know, there's, you, you don't have a minute to catch your breath as a viewer, or as a fan, because they just jump right in. And, and that's how they open the match. Um, you know, they come out with their entrance and the dollar bills are flying everywhere, which, by the way, as an aside, I never know how they clean them up so fast out of the ring. <laughs> but uh, if, they were, if they were real, I wouldn't mind. I'd want to get my hand on a couple of them. But, you know, um, so... But you know, we, we, you know, we get down to the wire, and you've you've got some some uh, interesting kind of uh, interfeuds going on within the tag teams in the Battle Royal because you've got you've got members of the Dark Order, you got Reynolds and Silver, Uno and Stu Grayson, you've got Sammy Hager, nice play on yeah, words there between. And <laughs> yep, uh, you got Sammy Guevara and um, and Jake Hager. Jericho MJF, Santana Ortiz, you've got Jurassic Express with the new Tarzan song for Jungle Boy, and uh, oh, Top whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Top Flight, which is a new up-and-coming uh, in-flight tag team, uh, Private Party, The Acclaimed, who once again came out uh, with Max Caster from from the group, uh, you know, busting a few rhymes and, and, and spitting some lyrics out, uh, you know, uh, dissing everybody. <laughs> Uh, and of course the young bucks. And so we've got this jam packed battle Royal. You've got uh, a lot of action going on and we wind up towards the end with the bucks actually getting, uh, you know, even though they kicked off the action with those big dives, they end up actually shockingly getting eliminated. Um, and uh, there's a, tease point uh, during the match where uh, uh, from, you know, the, the good brothers come out, obviously, uh, you know, they were pay-per-view adversaries before. And, um, you know, so, th- so they, they come out and they actually eliminate um, Isaiah Cassidy from private party. You know, the young bucks are like, what's up with that? Well, you know, why are you guys coming out and doing that? Um, and, you know, so there's a little bit of that dynamic going on. Fast forward to, um, t- you know, towards the end of the match, you've got uh, six guys left in the ring. Jericho, MJF, Sammy Guevara, Max Caster, uh, Darius Martin from Top Flight, and Jungle Boy. And, um, you know, MJF ends up eliminating Jungle Boy. Um, actually, might have been a little bit of a misstep on the ropes, and it's interesting also whenever, you, you know, you have these battle royals, you, as much as you try to choreograph, things could always go wrong. Um, and so, you know, like, how do you sequence that in the match? So, you know, maybe he misstepped, and that's why he was eliminated. Um, but then you get a stare down between Sammy and MJF, um, you know, with Caster holding MJF so that Sammy could attack him. MJF wiggles free, and then there's a kick from Sammy that, that blasts Caster. Um, and then uh, MJF charges at Caster, and in doing that, he ends up getting out um, when Caster ducked. Um, and then Darius from Top Flight throws out Caster. So um, that left two members of the inner circle, uh, Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Um, and of course, 
there's been some dissension in the ranks that we've seen over the past few weeks within the inner circle, especially with Sammy. And it's really going back even further because we've seen Sammy get a little bit pissed off at, uh, you know, what's been going on. Actually, more than a little pissed off, you know, with um, Jericho bringing MJF uh, into the group. Um, and so uh, it's Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and the last member of Top Flight in there, Darius. Um, so uh, uh, Guevara ends up getting tossed over the ropes, but still manages to hang on for a moment. Jericho tries to, to, to get Darius out of the ring, but uh, inadvertently ends up sending Sammy out. And of course, later on um, in the show, you're going to see the inner circle feuding and, 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 and Sammy bringing that up. So then it's just, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, Darius from uh, Top Flight and Jericho, and Jericho ends up getting him out with the Judas effect down to the floor. So you've got Jericho and MJF as the number one contenders. Not so hot so when it comes to Jericho, but I got to say, at least for MJF, because we've been very critical of kind of the booking of, of, of putting him into the inner circle at the very least. Now he gets to contend for the tag team uh, belts and, and um, you know, so he's at least, you know, it, in, a, in a prominent spot. So uh, we'll see yeah, where this goes. I, I, um, yeah, I just so. think it's going to, to uh, cause the inner circle to disband at some point. You know, I just think, uh, you know, like they brought in Santana and Ortiz as this tag team. And now like, part of the inner circle, you would think that they would be the ones, ones running the show. Now you have Jericho and MJF, you know, tagging up and, uh, it's, and, you know, Wardlow's not even in any of this mix right now. I don't know what he's doing. You know, he just had a big win over, uh, Hager, you know, a few weeks ago. And it's kind of just been, he's just kind of been chilling after that. I thought they were going to at least push him towards more, uh, prominent bookings. I just don't, like the whole i mean i guess mjf jericho it's like a kind of funny tag team whatever like that i kind of just wish though that they just kept mjf in the in the singles division i think they could have still had some great feuds between him and and jungle boy after their great pay-per-view match uh so i i i'm not in total agreement with this i'm not really on board with the whole uh tag team angle here i still think they have probably the best tag division in wrestling i'm just not for uh what's going on right now I will uh, say they definitely, they definitely have the the best tag division in uh in wrestling for sure. I have to agree with that, Matt. Mm, and I will and I will say with Sammy kind of being the odd man out in recent weeks, I'm actually happy to see this because I've been tracking um you know his his vlogs and and his appearances on Dark, which believe it or not, he cuts some great promos on Dark. So if you if you guys uh, if marks out there are interested in watching um AW's YouTube show. Sammy's on there um, quite often, and um, I, I actually think that uh, you know while he's not the total package yet, he he can combine both the in-ring wrestling athleticism with you know being really solid on the mic, and and he, and he's really genuine when he like talks. You could you could see like in this case with the inner circle that that dynamic of being the odd man out, and you know having the leader bringing somebody else in to kind of you know change things around. We've all kind of been there either in our friendship or family circles, and so that that inner circle, like even the name itself, it now actually has some meaning, and and there's there's a a relatability factor there. So I'm happy if Sammy does get pushed out eventually that he could do his own thing and really shine yeah. as a singles competitor. Um he won, yeah, you know, on, on BTE he ended up winning the BTE belt from John Silver so he's now the yeah, BTE champ, that. but I want to see yeah. him get a, I want to see him get a real belt because I Yeah, I yeah, I, I I definitely agree with you there. He may not be a heavyweight championship caliber, but uh hopefully if they bring in some sort of other 
uh, title uh, besides the TNT uh, title out there, which which I think he would, he would be a pretty cool TNT champion at some point. Wait, the, uh, the, the B, BTE title is the being being the elite title? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, for those so, of you so who let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. This <laughs> they have the FTW and the and, and the being the elite title. I mean, to me, it's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah. Well, it's not, I mean, with the BTE one, I would say it's almost kind of like the twenty four seven belt in WWE. With the exception. yeah, it's like exclusive only to like that 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 show on YouTube. Like, I don't think they're going right. to ever bring it to the AW ring. And, and and the only real difference there is that what they're doing is they're they're playing different competitive games like drinking games. And well, I'll tell you what the difference is that that yeah. these titles aren't aren't defended. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the BTE title is like a it's it's just like a gimmicky a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just now, the idea. Like, they know it's a joke. Be. They play like ping pong for it. Come they play like you know. And the FTW Uno. title. I mean, they should make they, they should make that like if they're gonna have this connection with with all these other companies, they should make the FTW title like a strong style title and. And Hell not yeah. and, and 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 not and not and not pussyfoot around. Great really. idea, Jerry. I mean, n- great idea. That's all they do is pussyfoot around AEW. They listen. Their tag team is fine. Their mid card is fine. But they just they, they've ruined the TNT title already with with this guy Darby. <laughs> it's just it's just horrible. But Adam, continue Which on. Well, and we're gonna get to that. We're we're gonna get to that too. Uh, and and my can't my wait take on that. <laughs> uh, um, <Lord> Scott. <laughs> um. A couple, a couple more things before we get to, to both that and and the main event of the show. Um, in our in the women's covering the women's division, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, uh, defeated Thunder Rosa um, in a singles match. Um, you know, Thunder Rosa is someone we've been uh, pretty high on. She's had some some good uh, yeah, matches. Yeah, I think she's a great wrestler. Yeah, absolutely, um, uh, great matches with Serena Deeb, obviously. Rosa. That's right. And believe it or not, fans were actually shouting in the same way that Jungle Boy's got the Tarzan gimmick now and 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 the fans and you know singing along to to the Tarzan song. For some reason with the, I guess it's the Thunder in the Thunder Rosa name. You've got fans singing the uh ACDC Thunderstruck um uh, as she's out there. So, you know, thunder. you know she, <laughs> Exactly. So she's so she's getting some love from the fans. Um, you know, I'm kind of sick and tired of, uh, as much as I, I, I like Britt Baker on the mic as a heel, I'm kind of sick and tired of her, uh, in-ring work and, and the, uh, that, uh, you know, mandible, lock, claw, at the end. mandible claw lockjaw thing she does with the, with the, the latex glove. It's like enough, you know, enough of that already. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was a decent match. And one thing I will say about the women's division is that with Hikaru Shida actually now traveled, having traveled back to Japan and being under quarantine, um, there is going to be a women's. Uh, tournament that's going on both uh, uh, with the competitors they announced competitors here in the u.s and competitors in japan yes um so that'll be really interesting to see some 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 old faces some new faces as well on both the u.s and the japanese side so i'm I'm happy to see and that's kind of uh let's see this is AEW's time to shine with their with their women's division i guess in the best uh, you know that they can you know so uh, Uh, i mean this is not these these women are not going to be anything they just they don't speak <laughs> English. They don't have good mic work, and they'll ne- the WWE Women's Division is just, and even Impact Women's Division is way better than any of these oh, yeah. people. Any of these people in this tournament, and I just think AEW sucks as far as the women and the main event. 
Yeah, they, no. yeah, yeah. So, well, so I, I really definitely feel. agree. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I I definitely agree where 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 it comes to WWE and and, and their women's division is is just uh on another level. And the and, fact uh, that the, the fact that the biggest scrub in the WWE women's division, whoever that may be, would would just wipe the floor with the anyone in the AEW women's division. Yep. Well, well so, hopefully one day we'll see because I'm sure the worst NXT or the worst women's wrestler will eventually make their way to AEW at some point. Yeah. Uh, who, 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 yeah whoever uh, that may Zelina be. Vega. Zelina Vega. Yeah, so we'll see. <laughs> uh, another another single, uh, another, uh, excuse me, tag match. We had Hangman Page and Matt Hardy uh, defeated Chaos Project. And, uh, you know, for me, this was it was a little bit lost on me with everything else that's going on in the chaos of AEW Dynamite. Actually, what this storyline was about um, until I looked it up and, and remembered that, yes, uh, you know, shortly after the passing of Brody Lee, Negative uh, One, who's Brody Lee Jr., um, you know, they had they had his birthday party and of course Chaos Project had to ruin it and there was the whole, you know, situation, the cake to the face. Um, so, you know, Matt Hardy wants to stand up for the little kid and he gets Hangman Page to tag with him to defend uh, you know, the honor, I guess you could say, of the Dark Order. And so it's not so much that Hangman is officially in the Dark Order, but it's just making things right on their behalf. So, um, you know, they defeated Chaos Project and um, you know, for me, I I kind of feel like again, uh what Matt but Hardy. What is Chaos Project even doing anywhere on the show in the first place? Hundred percent. They, have, they have one show. I mean, besides Dark, they have one show, and Chaos Project doesn't belong on Dark. And this is what you're doing. It's like it's it's so asinine. Yeah, they should have already. I mean, if they wanted if they wanted to move with this angle, they should have moved quicker and had Hangman already in the Dark Order, um, because you know if they're if they are continuing with and 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 you know everybody has their views on it. For me, as someone who follows BTE, I kind of find some of the Dark Order, uh, you know, angles that they do on that show uh, pretty humorous, and so I feel like they could, you know, eat, you know, bringing Hangman in, you could go one of two ways. You could, be, you know, you could keep with the humor with him, or you could make it more make it serious and, and help make them more legitimate so and just to add on the hangman thing they're on the verge of ruining him too absolutely yeah so they need they need to get it right i'll tell you just watching him and matt hardy it's a little frustrating just watching well don't worry because we have a wedding to get to so we had a wrestle wedding <laughs> between uh kip sabian and penelope ford or finally I actually like this angle for some reason <laughs> And I'll tell you guys why I hate it after this. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as, as we discussed separately, uh, you know, when we, were, when we were watching this live, you know, uh, weddings in wrestling, you know, it's it's a tale as old as time, I guess you could say. It's, it's been around. We've seen it in WWF, WWE, and there's always someone that comes out and something crazy that happens. Uh, I got to say at the beginning of it. What I was really happy about, and you know, AW marks out there probably don't even know who this guy is. But if you some, if you're someone who's followed TNA, if you followed WCW back in the day, you'd ECW. know who, ECW exactly. You'd know who Father James Mitchell is, quote unquote, the sinister minister. Um, he, you know, he's done some sinister things on yeah. Impact in in in, in the re, in the past year. So he handled the ceremony as the minister. In kind of a funny way, um, Adam. Ahead. Just a side note: he's another one that I fast forward through on, on Impact. Like he's just awful. Well, it's getting it's getting a little bit kind of redundant with him on Impact now. But I got to say, for those of you that that are interested, go check out some of his and older stuff. Did you guys catch while we were watching? And when I rewatched it, just to take my notes, um, Jr. had no clue who he was. 
Yeah, <laughs> which which is which is a great way to bury somebody. But <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was fucking. This is so funny. Jr. Man. Ugh. Um. So uh, you know, and and of course, um, uh, you know, Miro was there as uh, as the best uh, best man, and um, so. Uh, sorry, I'm just I'm just looking up my my notes here. Yeah, he was kind of uh, just ahead. leading this uh this uh wedding in regards to just you know kind of doing his best man speech and and kind of taking over as, as saying it was his wedding and uh, well all well stuff. I just want to I I want to say that you know he every time he said something um there was like a point where you thought about his two WWE weddings, you know, the one where he married Lana and then the one where he was, you know, involved ruining Lashley and Lana's wedding. So that's my whole issue with AEW is that everything they do is a bite off of WWE and they love to just make fun of WWE, but you're, you're ripping them off. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure part of it was like a kick at WWE and other part of it, you know, obviously riles up, but you uh, had the you same know, shit on fans. your show, but you had the same shit on your show. Yeah. Like yeah. Ed said, WWE is renting space in AEW's head for free. And, you yeah. know, the way this closed out, of course, is, you know, after exchanging vows, of course, uh, Chuck Taylor, who is now Miro's, uh, Butler, and uh, you know he ends up locking Miro, uh, handcuffing him rather, uh, into the corner of the ring. And Orange Cassidy comes out, hiding. He's hiding inside one of the uh, like of the Ru- in the cake. Like Rusev yep. came out of the cake to attack exactly. Lashley. Exactly. So, so a repeat there. And Penelope um, Ford got you know caked like Lana got caked twice. <laughs> yep. So um, you know, I mean, Matt found this funny. I thought it, there were parts of it that were funny. Um, but I'm kind of, again, for me, I, I find this entire angle pretty boring just because I, what they've done with Miro. I mean, you got another big guy, a big man that they're, that they're using as a joke. Well, I don't yeah, know if you kind of said, I don't know if you guys heard what Tony Khan said when he first came, he's like, well, they destroyed Miro, uh, you know, Miro, meaning Rusev in WWE, and I have to rebuild him. First off, you're new to this whole wrestling thing. Second of all. Uh, they made they made him the star that he is. Let's just remember that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Nobody would know who Miro was unless it was and for no, you know, nobody Rusev's would run. Kn- nobody would know who Jericho is. Nobody would know who Moxley is. No, well, Jericho. Well, Jericho, on the other hand, I mean, he had a big run in WCW. He, he a- did, but but his career became bigger in WWE. Oh, oh yeah, no, I, whereas, I agree. Whereas certain gu- whereas certain guys never made that jump from from WCW. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. Well, it's just, uh, you know, I, I, I still think hopefully they could tie in Orange Cassidy to just feuding with Miro in a, in a sense, and and maybe even, like that's even, the, that's the, but that's even the that. like this angle a little bit is that hopefully they they like jump that into it a little bit, and and I think uh, maybe like that type of feud could 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 be good. But Matt, even even that is that believable that Cassidy could beat someone like Miro? Uh, I guess, I guess not, but it's kind of like, the, it's kind of like the two different styles of wrestling though. He's like a high flyer, more technical wrestler where and he could talking- like, you know, go under his legs. He could, he could do high flying moves, different things like that. You and know? we're talking about a guy in, in, in Miro, Rusev, whatever, who faced John Cena at WrestleMania for the U S title. I mean, Orange Cassidy will never face John Cena in, in anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, that's, that's for sure. 
I mean, is this is this what their plans are for Rusev, just being a mid card bum who can't even carry a TNT title, let alone I think should be in the in the world heavyweight picture? Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, if they uh, if they do the storyline right, which I which I hope they do, they could it just catapults him towards you know like maybe feuding with a guy like Archer or or uh, something like that. You know, which leads me into I mean, I'm just going to say one more one more thing on Miro is is uh, you know in the, in the midst of every of all that wedding chaos, uh, Kip accidentally punched him, which you know then you saw a little bit of that uh, big man monster come out in in his in, in Miro's face. So oh, you yeah. know, I I think that yeah you know. A good first step would be let him turn on Kip. Let's get this yeah. stupid angle over with and then move on. And um, in terms of moving on and talking about other big men, you got Lan- another one, Lance Archer, who once again goes up against Eddie Kingston. Lumberjack rules. Um, Archer ends up defeating Kingston. And uh, the way it was presented is that this is the end of the feud, at, at least for now. Um, I thought the action overall was pretty good. But, um, you know... I- I just I don't know why he's you know still feuding with 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 Kingston. I know they have their their separate factions and everything, um, but uh, you know we'll see if they have one more match. I know they're they're one. I mean, is Archer now, even so. in a faction? I don't even know. Well, not a not a faction rather uh, per se, yeah. but uh, you know I mean I feel Kingston, like Archer like dabbles with a little bit of Death Triangle and you know the Murderhawk does what he wants. You know, <laughs> everybody does. And then uh, Murderhawk does nothing. Cage does nothing. These guys do nothing. <laughs> well, well, well. Wait a minute, because we're getting to you know I'm I'm getting to the face paint right now. So and before we get to the main event, so we've you know Cage did make an appearance because you had Team Taz uh, interrupting Darby Allen and Sting in the ring to address their upcoming street fight at AEW Revolution um, on March seventh. And you know once again you've got. I'll never understand why they do this. I would prefer when you've got your faces in the ring, let them at least talk a little bit about what's upcoming before the heels interrupt. Um, you know, it sounds like a minor point, but every time it just starts right away with Taz saying, shut the hell up and, you know, start screaming. <laughs> and, and, a bitch. And well, I, and I'll tell I, you, he uh, has no choice to do that because Darby and Sting are horrible and, on the mic. Exactly. So you make, you make a good point. You make a good point. Um, they, they, <laughs> I don't know what these guys are even doing. It just gets me so angry. I don't know how anyone could think Darby could be a championship material in a promotion like this. Maybe in another promotion that wrestles at like you know the high school gyms, but um, <laughs> I think he's horrible. I think the skateboard thing is horrible. I think it's not believable that he could beat anyone on the roster besides Marco Stuck. Well, you, well, you know what it is? It's Mark booking, <laughs> and I think that's what we're seeing across the board. Is that what Tony Khan and what the Bucks and what Cody, what 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 the executive management of AEW is doing is catering to the fans, and you know we've seen. Other promotions make that mistake when you go too far down that road. You've got to be balanced. And so um, that's why, you know, WWE, at least, say what you want about WWE, but at least they have that, they have structure to kind of rein some of that in. And you know something? At least, like, WWE's titles are def- get defended. Like, Darby doesn't even defend the title. Yeah, because cause I think he's so hurt all the time that he can't. <laughs> what do you mean he's so hurt? I, I, when's the last time he wrestled? Exactly. That's because last time he wrestled, he like fucking took probably like nine hundred bumps that well, that that made him injured. Like you well, know, I talk about it all the time. I don't think he's going to have a long career to begin with. Well, the way that this uh, segment of the show end, uh, ended is that uh, you know Sting is going to make sure that Team Taz doesn't interfere in Allen and Darby Allen's match. He's going to walk around with his fucking bat. But who's he going up against next week? Is the bad boy Joey Janela? So again, Joe. That's, an- that's another there. great one. That's another yeah. great one. Like yeah. he's defend. Th- that's who they defend the title. The guy who wrestled on the Atlantic City Boardwalk <laughs> against Leo Rush. Right. The-, the guy who quit the challenge. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm so, I'm I'm sorry. Like this is you got guys like Archer and Cage and Starks and all, you know just a few who I could think of off the top of my head. Miro, these guys are have no direction, and they're letting Joey Janela fight this guy. Joey Janela well, ripped the shreds out of him. Well, let's get to a I little bit. So. Let's let's get to the kind of direction that at least makes Matt a little bit happier and, and maybe oh, you a little God. bit sadder. Which uh, yeah. is the main event. Um, you know, we've got uh, Moxley, Pack, and Ray Phoenix going up against Omega and the good brothers of Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Um, you know, uh, the faces in this match come out, you know, strong with, you know, you know, and, 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 and Phoenix especially. I, I'm, I just, I've always been impressed with his athleticism in the ring. Um, so, you know, they're going back and forth and, and, and throughout, you know, Moxley is taking a beating, but he manages to, uh, you know, to escape a finisher uh, at one point. And, um, you know, Phoenix and Pack at one point also hit Moonsault simultaneously to the Good Brothers. Um, so, you know, again, like those two guys and the Death Triangle thing, I, I'm not, I don't know exactly where Death Triangle itself is going to go, but I'm really, I'm really high on, on guys like Phoenix and Pack. So at least they were in the main event. Um, and of course, at the end, uh, you get the finish when, uh, you know, Anderson uh, counters a flying attack from Phoenix uh, into a spine buster. And, uh, you know, then you've got the, the magic killer as the finisher to pin Phoenix for the win uh, for Omega and the Good Bl- uh, Brothers as uh, o- Omega actually prevented Pac from getting in, hitting him uh, with, with a V-trigger. Mm-hmm. At that point, you've got Lance Archer. Running into the ring as 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 we've seen him do so many times, where it's just like his music hits and there isn't even a pause. He just teaches like <laughs> yeah. full bore, like an off like a defensive lineman or a linebacker just well, running. Well, he did that a lot in New Japan too. Except he used to come out and drink water and just run in the crowd and just spit it directly in people's faces. <laughs> and so you know, Lance Archer he clears the ring, gets the Good Brothers out, and then Mox Mox is Moxley is out there. He's waiting to 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 hit Omega when there's an a masked intruder and that masked intruder uh, goes after Moxley. And who is it, Matt? Kenta from new Japan, baby. Let's go. So I'm going to, I'm going to let Matt take this part just because of how excited he is about Kenta. Um, and, but obviously, so, you know, for those of you that watched, uh, you know, it's Kenta from new Japan. He hits Moxley with a go to sleep. He's got the go to sleep club uh, shirt on. And um, you know, with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn to, to Matt to talk about the significance of this in the interpromotional um, relationship here. Yes, thank you very much, Adam. Uh, another great rundown of AEW. You know, it's it's a it's great that we get the back and forth banter. We get you know me being more of a mark for AEW. Jared, you know, definitely given the angle of why some of these things probably uh, can't work, and you know, it's definitely a great perspective that you know to have for everybody to listen to. So, uh, great job, Adam. And the reason why I'm marking out so much right now is because I'm such a huge New Japan fan and knowing that they had work in relationships with people like Ring of Honor and and uh, and they've had the Young Bucks wrestle in New Japan. John Moxley was wrestling in New Japan. Uh, Lance Archer's from New Japan. There's there's a ton of guys that AEW has that had stints over in New Japan. You know, talking about Chris Jericho. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, the... Um, uh, best friends, you know, they're, they're all from new Japan. So this whole time when AW first started, it, it was always a dream of mine personally is that new Japan would develop a working relationship with AEW because I felt like it was absolutely needed to combat against the superpower of WWE. 
in terms of uh, ratings, in terms of having fans just stick around. And as you can see lately, things have been getting stale the past year in terms of just some storyline, something's not believable, the gimmicks are getting too crazy, AEW's losing their ground of what they promised uh, first was going to happen with their promotion in terms of being very competitive, being more sports-like. You know, and then you got guys in the ring uh, doing very, very, very gimmicky stuff that kind of goes against what they were doing at first. But there is a glimpse of hope now, guys, because New Japan and AEW officially have a working relationship. Uh, this isn't just because John Moxley is the New Japan US champion, even though that played a major part in it. Um, I read through Wrestling Observer and, may, and many other po- uh, publications that there was a deal in line a long time ago uh, for this to happen. New Japan wanted Tony Khan uh, face-to-face to meet uh, Tony Khan was sending other people over to talk to them, things like that. So it was kind of very, uh, as you could say, just just childish in the ways that their business uh, was being done. Now uh, you fast forward a little bit. You know, John Moxley uh, before hitting AEW really became became the U.S. champion in New Japan before a, uh, anything was going on with his AEW run, and because of that. You know, New Japan could have easily stripped the belt from him. They could have done many different things, but they didn't want to, and they they wanted to leave the door open still for a working relationship. Uh, luckily, uh, that has happened. Uh, you know, because of John Moxley having the belt and, and and things like that. And there was also a few other executives that worked for New Japan that at first didn't see any benefit for you know with working with AEW because they felt that they were the big dogs um some of those guys have stepped down opening up the door for this working relationship as well so all those things mixed together kind of made it possible for New Japan and AEW to now have a cross promotional working relationship so now you have AEW working with Impact you have AEW working with New Japan and I just hope uh that this means that guys like Okada Tanahashi Naito uh Hiromo Takahashi, all like all these guys that are just amazing, amazing wrestlers. You know, Will Ospreay. If Will Ospreay could get into an AEW ring, it's fucking over, man. Like I'm telling so, you, got marks for, from 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 my money, and and it's up for debate. I gotta say, and and you guys can go and look at it, at Osprey's matches on online, um, or in or on New Japan site. Uh, to me, he's the best right now. I mean, he's my favorite. Yeah, in, yeah, in ring work. He, I've I've never seen anybody work a ring like he does. He's just an absolute amazing wrestler, flawless in the ring. You barely ever see if if you could see him botch, it's 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 a it's a, it's more rare for you to get struck by a meteor. I think uh, it's just he's an amazing wrestler. You got guys like Okada that are just at the top of their game. Naito, Ibushi, uh, they're just amazing. And and then you have the whole angle of the real deal Bullet Club from New Japan possibly coming in and feuding with what is. You know, AEW's version of the Bullet Club, still with their OGs as well as as Carl uh, Anderson and, and Luke Gallows. They are you know originals from the Bullet Club as well as you know as well with the uh, Young Bucks and uh, all that. So th- there's just potential here for just an amazing, amazing run of storylines, an amazing, amazing run of matches that will. You know, obviously out there, WD, you know, WWE is not going anywhere. That's just the fact of the matter, right? They've, you know, they're the powerhouse. And uh, I don't know if AW necessarily is trying to overtake. I'm sure it would be a great, you know, obviously it's a goal in mind, right? To, uh, you know, get as close as possible. But, you know, that will probably never happen. But this leaves an opportunity just for amazing, amazing wrestling to just overshadow 
you know, some of the wrestling that could possibly happen in other promotions because it's just, it, it just opens the door for, for so much stuff to happen. And uh, I'm so excited that they decided to do this. I'm, I'm pumped. Uh, with that being said too, New Japan did strike their uh, US TV deal uh, on the Roku channel. I'm not too sure where that is. I, 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 you, <laughs> it's a far cry from the USA network. I'll yeah, tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it's. It, I, I was kind of disappointed when they said that they struck a deal with oh, Matt. Let's remember Roku. one thing: this little de- this deal right now is sort of for like the young lions from New Japan, whereas you know mm-hmm. they needed to make this deal because they needed Moxley in the U.S. title, and yeah. that was only going to happen here because he wasn't going to Japan uh, with the pandemic. Not even sure he's allowed to go there, and if these guys are allowed to come here. They're going to have to quarantine when they go back, when they come here. And I actually don't think the bigger names are going to come quite yet. And, I think and, that's going to take a long time. And, and, yeah, and I mean, I, I have to agree with you too. Uh, and Adam, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say to queue up for our fans at the very least, because of the U S part, you know, centered of this, that, uh, on AW exclusive after Dynamite, Omega did uh, call out Tony Khan and request a lights out unsanctioned match next week between him and Kenta versus that. Moxley and Archer. So, yeah, so I'm I'm pumped, man. I, I, I mean, wonder uh, who that match. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's 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 going to be something. Uh, hopefully, that will develop into that because guys like you know Naito, Hiromu, and all these big names out there that some of you probably don't even know uh, yet. Uh, you know, they have wrestled in in uh, in uh, Ring of Honor and and, and stuff like that. So uh, I definitely think that at some point you will see that cross promotion happen uh, in terms of having bigger wrestlers come come over, whether it's guys from AEW going over to Japan or, or vice versa. And I think that happens once this uh, pandemic starts to slow down a little bit. If it, I will say this. Does. I can see how you're, you and other people are excited for the partnership. But as far as a guy like Kenta goes, to me, he's he's like a nobody. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people had no idea who he was. When I he know who he is. He was, he was a failure in NXT as Hideo Itami. And that's how I remember him. And just by looking up his stats, he wasn't, he is just, you know, he's somewhat new to new Japan and he's not that, mm-hmm. accom- he's not that accomplished. No, he's not that accomplished yet uh, for sure, but he's definitely uh, somebody who is going to put the new Japan name in people's heads that have never uh, try to even Google it before, you know what I mean? And I, and I think that's the start that, you know, you do, I think it was, it, it was the right move. You just don't throw somebody like Ibushi or Naito or, or, uh, any, any high caliber new Japan wrestler in there yet, because nobody would probably know who they well, are. Um, you're I right. mean, although a lot of AEW fans come from the line of the indie scene, like, you know, when we went to the G1 Supercard, uh, you know, a lot of those fans are AEW fans and, uh, you know, I, I I do think that, uh, you know, it, it's going to open up a new avenue for wrestling fans to at least go on YouTube and just, you know, type in some highlights or, you know, like anything like that. And and sometimes that's all it takes is, is, is just a little bit of a taste to get addicted. Let's keep in mind that, uh, as you were saying, Matt, 
at the even going back before the launch of AEW, when you had the All In show in 2018, and then leading into you know the pay per views that led into the start of AEW as a weekly television show, you did have some Jap some guys from New, from New Japan, um, mm-hmm. even some guys that I don't even see anymore. Um, like I remember, was it Shima or Sima? Maybe I'm mispronouncing his name. Yeah, but you had, yeah, like, you yeah. Had like a whole mm-hmm. you had like a whole little faction that was appearing on a couple of those pay per views. Well, I just yeah. want to. I want to bring this up too for both you guys to answer. Actually, um, to me, I feel like New Japan's popularity is is in the past, honestly. Um, and I do, I actually think their this partnership is going to help bring bring it back to what it was. And to me, if mm-hmm. if people don't know, like like real wrestling fans, like honestly, I, and if it wasn't for Matt, I would have no clue about any of these guys really. And I'll get into something a little a little after, but. Um, I think when New Japan had the Bucks and Omega and, you know, just more American talent, I think that was their chance to really connect with the American fan. And I don't, and, and you know, I'm sorry, listen, I know Omega's not American, but the English speaking fan and mm-hmm. the American, the, you know, the North American fan, really. And I think they missed a the boat on that. I, I really do. I think, you know, I think part of the reason why you Matt got involved is because of Omega, because of the Bucks, and because of some yeah, of the Jericho. Other- honestly, it was the, yeah it was Jericho Omega that like brought it over. I said, oh, "Why is this guy going over to you know like and, Japan right now to like wrestle?" And I was like, "I got to check I'm, this out." And I just want to say that like yeah. you f- you became fans of the Japanese guys too because you were there to watch the English speaking guys. Yeah, and let's be yeah, real. I mean, you're not going to sit. And, and, yeah. You're not mm-hmm. going to sit there and watch guys scream in Japanese because it's just there's no way you're going to be able to sit there and watch it. You tune in for the guys that that like for like Jericho who made a name here, you know, Omega who actually made a name there and you know connected with both fan bases, you know. So yeah, I mean that's, it, it, that's my yeah. whole point. Whereas you think young kids care about Tanahashi and and, and I just don't think so. Only some so, of the younger fans knew to your point, Jared, about the. Some of some of our favorite wrestlers historically from WWE that you know, like guys right. like a Larry lot of guys, Brock Lesnar and yeah. AJ, you know, all those guys. But but these are the, the, those are the examples that like me and Adam just brought up is what I'm trying to prove is that all these English speaking uh, wrestlers who are we know now in AEW and WWE, a lot of them did start in New Japan, and the yeah. fact that they didn't that they didn't grab a lot of fans then is an issue I have with them going forward is because now with this, with with the coronavirus and everything, or, you know, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. um, I think their lack of English speaking wrestling right now, wrestlers right now who people don't know um, are going to be hard to attract newer fans. But the kicker is that they now have a market presence in the United States, right? Well, that's, 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 you know, what I said at the beginning of this, Adam, you know, I think that it's going to help them, you know, slowly, gradually, potentially be back. But the fact that they're at their lowest point, in my opinion, of American fans, um, I think this was big for them and they needed Moxley because now this is going to bring in a whole new slew of fans, you know, people who followed Moxley from WWE to AEW. Now, oh, this guy's fighting in New Japan. Now I'm, I'm going to go, you know, check this out. And it's a, it's a, it's a completely different style. Um, I think less, less of the spectacle and, and, and more of, you know, you've got the strong style. I mean, Matt, could you just, for the fans out there, could you give like a little bit of a synopsis or an overview to, to educate them? I'm sure we're going to get some of those in the promo pack. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I have a lot to say in regards to it. So just, you know, you know, like talking about what Jared had to say, but yeah, I mean, the style of wrestling out in, in, in new Japan is, is a little more 
hardcore in term in terms of the way that they punch their style of wrestling. They take a lot more uh, risks in terms of the moves that they do. I feel um, they definitely do a lot uh, stronger style wrestling in terms of kicks, punches, uh, knees to the face, things like that. And and it's definitely a really good style of wrestling. And uh, you know the crowd out there too is just totally different than what you would find in an American show in terms of. Uh, you know, uh, the wrestling style, it's very silent. It's very quiet. Everybody's listening. Everybody's watching. And then once, you know, something big happens, you'll hear, Oh, you know, something, uh, along those lines. And, uh, it's, 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 it's definitely cool. So, and I, and, and I do agree with Jared that, um, in terms of the American wrestlers did bring me over to new Japan to, you know, to watch it, but I didn't, but, Luckily, you know, I stayed and watched the other matches as well. And just based off of the first Wrestle Kingdom that I saw with Jericho and Omega, I was instantly hooked on learning about the wrestlers that I didn't even uh, know of or could understand because their wrestling was just that good. I couldn't believe that the every match in and out was just uh top caliber matches that I, and I didn't even know the guys, but I was stuck and glued to the screen. And also they do have English commentary. So I'm able to, you know, sit there and listen to what the commentator saying and understanding the moves. And if the guy's speaking in Japanese, then I can fully understand what he's saying because the commentator is, uh, you know, translating. So it's, it's not fully lost. So uh, I do firmly believe that if you watch new Japan uh, you will get hooked on the wrestling because it's just something that you don't normally see totally in AEW. You don't really see that type of style of wrestling constantly in WWE. You know, Shinsuke Nakamura, his type of wrestling, I think is amazing. And it's not put up enough in WWE. But, you know, you go back, you know, and like, that's the thing. You watch New Japan now, there could be guys that make their way over to WWE. For instance, you know, guys like Brock Lesnar were out in New Japan. Guys like AJ Styles, you know, after their runs in Impact and things like that before coming over to WWE. So it gives you an opportunity to check out wrestlers that are most likely going to, you know, move Anderson on. Anderson and Gallows. Yeah, Anderson and Gallows. You got Finn Balor. You know, look at him. He, he, he started the Bullet Club in in uh, New Japan and 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 now look at him. So, you know, it, it really does give you well, perspective that, also that to was follow my whole wrestlers. Po- mm-hmm. That was my whole point before, guys. You know, I, as, as you both know and everyone else will understand, that was my whole point. All these great wrestlers that we know here because of WWE and AEW um, are from there. And I just feel like they don't have enough of the uh, English-speaking wrestlers now in order to, you know, grasp people's attention, which is why I thought, they New Japan needed to make this move with AEW more than AEW needed it, you know, with New Japan because they, you know, they needed Moxley. They need those Moxley fans. They need those AEW fans. They need those WWE fans that followed Moxley. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree. Uh, you know, New Japan made a smart move here in terms of 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 now having an opportunity to grip uh, away some fans from you know wwe naw to start watching their programming as well whether listen, it's on record or not you know imp- impact did, did the same thing as uh as well listen you know as far as yeah, you know watching the bullshit and then i stopped instantly but well, uh listen you know. but i i i don't know about adam i know adam is a you know a former tna mark but i i viewed in you know started viewing in because of guys like cardona brian myers the good brothers i was interested to see these ex-wwe guys you know go to impact and now the fact that they have like a working relationship with AEW, 
uh, I think is good for Impact. And that's another thing that Impact didn't need to do. They, you know, I mean, AEW didn't need to do. AEW doesn't need Impact. AEW doesn't need New Japan. They've shown that they have Wednesday nights on lock if they wanted to continue down that same road. But I feel those other two companies needed AEW more than they needed them. Yes, I mean, I well, definitely me agree say, with you there. Say, one quick thing, which maybe some of us are a little bit ashamed to admit, but I think as with anything, it, it, there, there are times where there's a program that's so horrible that you just have to watch it. And if you're if you're just a diehard wrestling fan and you crave all things professional wrestling, you're going to watch Impact and you're going to watch I – mean, like even if you're – like so for me, it's just – especially with the pandemic, but also uh, having been so starved for, for wrestling for so long, you know, for, for a new revolution in wrestling. And now to see all of these promotions blossoming, even if some of them are struggling and they're not getting as much traction to me, it's like, I'll still tune in and watch. Um, so maybe, maybe that's just me. I, I totally agree with you, Adam. And I'll be honest with you. If you, if you came, if you if you were at my front door and said, Jared, I have a I have a a, DV, a DVD of of it, of an Impact taping or a, a New Japan taping, I'm gonna probably take the Impact taping just based on <laughs> you know the English speaking and you know just more. It's more to my culture than you know the J- Japanese people are, and I feel a lot of people feel that way, and that's why they don't even give New Japan a chance. Which I'm not saying is the right is the right way to think because it's probably not. Just yeah, to play well, that. I mean, it's a, uh, you know, just if, you know, if people go out there and just type in names like Will Ospreay, type in like Okada versus Omega, uh, you know, things like that. And, and, and I think you'll easily get hooked if you could sit there and, and, just, I and will, just watch the wrestling. I will just say this quickly. And I think you both are going to agree. I feel like people like myself who are more WWE marks than, than anything. And I just feel like most people, uh, start with WWE or WWF in our case, when we were kids, um, I just feel like. And some of the AEW and definitely some of the New Japan matches are too long for people who are so into WWE. Yeah, they are. It's 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 a, it's a definitely different style of wrestling. It's an acquired taste. Of, it's an acquired yeah, taste. You, I mean, you have matches in uh, AEW and especially New Japan where the the it usually lasts between like thirteen to fifteen minutes. I would say. See, and I think, and I have no listen. I like that they give you, you know, great matches for free, you know, without paying for a pay-per-view. But I just feel like the pay-per-view loses its luster when you uh when you have these great matches week in and week out, and especially AEW who doesn't have pay-per-views very often. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you there. There's the you know, there's going to be a lot to uh you know, see uh, in regards to how this unfolds into how is uh, AEW going to allow New Japan guys to wrestle for titles? Is it going to be vice versa? Um, you know, so I, I just think that they need to, you know, like they're doing it right right now. They're slowly, you know, getting one guy in there and Kenta, he's not a huge name. Like you said, he doesn't have a track record like any of these other big, big New Japan stars. So I think it gives everybody an acquired taste. Uh, you get your little palate cleanser here. You see what it's about. Hopefully, you you know you tune into New Japan Strong on the Roku channel. I think it's just if you have a Roku, it's it's free. So um, I think that's how that goes. But uh, I'm sure there'll be some type of rerun or or, or highlight show on on YouTube. You know, we'll be giving you updates obviously uh, throughout the course of all this wrestling. And uh, let's just hope that you know it just. I, I hope that it uh, turns into something fruitful for all wrestling fans to experience new wrestling 
I think that's what part of this podcast is, you know, is kind of about as well is, is, uh, you know, there's other wrestling out there than some stuff that's just going on in the major AEW, WWE uh, realm. And uh, because of that, you know, hopefully everybody has a chance now to go, uh, you know, YouTube it, you know, become a New Japan subscriber, become a Ring of Honor subscriber, um, you know. There's a lot of good wrestling going on out there right now and just needs to be it needs to be managed correctly for us to enjoy it. <laughs> Listen, I hope for your sake, Matt, that uh that it works out and you know everyone gets because yeah, if it works out, everybody's gonna uh yeah, you know yeah, run away I, from it. I, I just I just have my doubts about this whole thing and Yeah. I can um, see why. I, I just don't trust AEW and I don't think their management's very good and I think with the pandemic, it makes things very hard traveling to and from Japan from, you know, from here. So yeah, we're I mean, going you know, to say, you know, yeah, you know, the young bucks dealt with it with ring of honor before they seen how the working that, relationship that had, wasn't had during a pandemic though. No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't, but I'm hoping that once this pandemic, you know, subsides and, and the traveling and quarantining becomes, uh, you know, I guess hopefully a thing of the past, uh, you know, they do have experience in doing this course promotional, uh, wrestling so hopefully guys like the young bucks and cody and and especially omega um get a little bit more uh power in terms of telling tony khan how to delicately uh run this relationship uh, i have a feeling that tony khan's just kind of uh you know trying to do things on on, on his own which which uh, is not i wonder if that's a fragile relationship i could see it turning into one at some point you know i could see the you know tony khan wanting to do something and the young bucks being against it and and uh, that causes some sort of, you know, argument or, or some sort of honest, disagreement. I, if if it were me, I, I think Cody is the most well versed out of any. Yes, I I, any I, I would them. definitely agree with you. I you know once he's done with his career, I could see him easily taking over AEW or. Think about know, this. He he he's seen brainchild. So. You're right. He's he's seen it. You know, from the ground up. WCW, WWE. Uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan, AEW. Now, I mean, the guy has seen it from all different angles, and I really think that's where I would, you know, if I was the owner, that's where I'd lie my faith in. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think with that being said, you know, this is a great uh, way I think to end this episode. What a what a jam packed episode we had here. I think uh, we covered all the bases here in regards to the biggest news that's going on in wrestling, and uh, you know, we had a great rundown by Jared through WWE as always. Uh, it was great to have Adam back giving us our our thorough AEW review and a uh, very awesome review as always. And, uh, you know, I just want to say, hopefully you guys uh, tune into some New Japan, you know, go on YouTube, do whatever it is that you need to do in order to get your fixing in to see what you have been missing. So, you know, remember, you could check us out on Twitter at the question in 11, the Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-I-N-11 and email us at thequestioningmarks at gmail.com. You know, give us your take on what's going on there. You know, give us some comments about what you feel about what's going on. WWE, New Japan, AEW, all this awesome wrestling that we have going on. Right. So, uh, Jared, Adam, thank you guys so much, man. Look forward to doing this again next week. Awesome episode, guys. I hope everyone enjoys it and uh, we'll see you next week. Absolutely. From the three best fucking podcasters out there for wrestling, we are the question of Mox, baby. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. Take care.